Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching, and welcome to another episode in our summer series, Camp BNT. Hi, Amanda. Hello. I'm so happy to be at camp this summer. It just makes me smile. I am too. I love me a good summer camp. And even if that summer camp is happening in the fall, winter, or spring, we still welcome you all, listeners, to camp. It's very exciting. (laughs) I mean, it's exciting. And I think when we originally had this idea, I wasn't sure how it would actually feel in the midst of it. And I really do. Like, I feel like this is a season of the podcast where we've gotten to kind of sit back and take take a break from all of like the really like deep curriculum work that we do and just kind of look at things from a very fun book level. And that's what we love anyway. So it's been really fun to kind of turn things. Well, and and like first nerdy teacher fun, right? Like that's, that's the other thing is it's just like lean in, man. We like this. Let's just do it. And that's the indulgence of the summer camp aspect of like, just don't pretend to be something that you're not. That's what I tell myself anyways. Like you like to talk to experts and artists and creatives about what they make, then just talk to them about it and like dig in and just, yeah, lean in. Lesson learned. I mean, and this is like, I admit in the interview, and I'm sure y'all heard like this particular one when we're talking with uh, Diana Lopez, I was not expecting to enjoy a middle grade book period. And the fact that we were able to just sit down and talk with an author again was just such a refreshing conversation. It was stimulating all kinds of creative ideas. And that's exactly what this episode's all about is after that conversation, Marie and I are buzzing with the rest of what we want to do with all of those thoughts. So we're pairing these episodes up together, interview and debrief. And that's what we're going to do today. Yes. And if you missed last week's episode, make sure that you head back and listen to that one first, because this one, I mean, can stand alone and make sense, but it's going to make a whole lot more sense if you listen to our interview first with author Diana Lopez, um, because we get into a lot of different things about her experience as a middle school teacher and as a continuing education teacher and uh, how she became an author in the first place and where these stories were really born of her own experience as a person growing up and becoming an adult in Texas. And like, right, it's so much of in Corpus Christi and so much of it is so based in her own experience and her own life and the experiences and the observations of the people around her. So that really like enriches the conversation that you're about to hear, which is the two of us taking then her novel, which we both, like Amanda said, Amanda was surprised that she liked, Amanda's surprised when she likes anything that's not, no, let's come on. Let's call it what it is. Full stop. No, I'm kidding. No, when she likes anything that's not going to be found in like a 
graduate level seminar on Britlet. Listen, we spent like 10 minutes talking about burgers in that episode. I wasn't too highbrow for a good burger. Oh, yeah, we talked about Whataburger. I know. I know. But I see myself. And I, uh, right. And that's exactly why we're here. But I think that that's that's part of your allure, my friend, is that you're you're more than willing. She just clucks a laugh at me. You are more than willing to be like, I never think I'm going to like things that are YA. Oh, my gosh, I love this. I never think I'm going to like things that are for middle grades. Oh, my gosh. I And you were like, I remember you read this before me and mm-hmm. you were absolutely like, I can't wait for you to read this. It's going to be so good. And then as I was devouring it, my own kid was like, Hey mom, are you going to be done with that book soon? Cause the cover looks really cool. <laughs> like, So yep. it's really like this book specifically is a treat for all ages. So we are excited to dig in and let's do a little unit makeover chat and see where we can see this fitting in. I mean, I can actually see it fitting spoiler alert in high school. So I think that's oh, where yes. a lot of my conversation is going to lean because I think I have some really cool ideas for this middle grades text in a high school. So before we jump in, there are two places that you're probably going to want to go yes. to kind of supplement this conversation. If you are, if you have the luxury of listening to this while you're kind of doing your own little summer PD, um, first and foremost, you should be joining our Facebook community that's called BNT Summer Camp. Um, it's Camp BNT, actually. And to get into our Camp BNT Facebook, you're going to want to head to bravenewteaching.com slash camp. So go there, come into camp. We have a lot of great discussion questions and resources and things like that are in camp. The second place you might want to go is to our unit makeover download. It's a free email series that walks you through a much more like clean version of what we're probably going to do today, but kind of a top to bottom unit revision. So if you're looking for those steps and you want to give yourself a chance to rethink a unit, not only will we link other episodes where we've done unit makeovers, but you can get that free. I think it's a two weeks, 10 emails. Uh, Challenge. Series. Yeah. 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 We, well, we wanted to, it's really like five full days of work, but we want to do it right and mindfully. Yes. And so we stretch it out over a couple of work weeks. Um, and all of this will be linked in the show notes to this episode as well. So yeah, there we go. So make sure you go to the show notes. Yeah. The Guess end. what? It's time for cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. I can really see this book, Felice and the Wailing Woman by Diana Lopez, working in a high school classroom. And you emphatically agreed. Yes, I did. That's that's it. That's the podcast. Thank you. Good night. Thank you so much for coming. Bye, everybody. Um, Okay, so (laughs) let's...
when we're we at least we think we're funny. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we never do. know. We never no, know. If anyone we else really does think we're funny. funny. Oh, the other thing that we meant to mention, I am all over the place today. The other thing we meant to mention in our intro is we have an extended episode of the interview with Diana Lopez on Happy Hour. So if you are a member of Happy Hour, make sure that you catch that. And if you are not yet a member of Happy Hour, this might be your month. Join us. Okay. Well, we talk about your great question about our monsters born are made. That yes. question, we have her kind of tackle in that happy hour episode. So it's a really great, juicy extension. So definitely go. There. It is a good one. And it brings like this middle grade book to a really high level. Cause that is a question that we, that in my classroom, we explore Shakespeare. We explore Macbeth and Hamlet through that question. So like talk about upping the uh, ante. Okay. Could we look at Shakespeare as a sort of folktale? Oh, it's every folktale. Right? I, right? I mean, that's what right? it is. Okay, Shakespeare's okay, okay. so much in mythology. Do you want, how yeah. nerdy do you want to get? Wow. Okay. I'm holding, yeah. I'm holding back, but like, no, I was ready to like snap for a second. I was yeah. going to like snap my suspenders and like really get into it. But I don't know if that's the podcast for today. That's not today's, but all that is to say, I think that what we're going to do today is going to really poise <laughs> any teacher with different ways of attacking Felice and the Wailing Woman in their classroom. Yes. You know, I think first and foremost, I do want to address our middle grades teachers. We're so happy you're here. We're so oh, yes. sorry. Our experience is not there, but I think this book is beautiful as a standalone novel unit for your classroom, as a pairing with other folktale kinds of units you might already have, hands down. But I'm definitely not going to sit here and tell you exactly how I would do it with seventh graders. Um, but I, I wholeheartedly believe it would be an amazing unit. No, but I think that like, at least what I have in mind can be adapted and translated yes. to younger grades, because I'm going to talk through it through the lens of like 12th grade. But I can definitely see places where you can make like the skills that you're using or, you know, like working towards and the lines of questioning more appropriate for a younger audience and use the texts that we're about to talk about, I think. So, okay, let's talk through this in a unit makeover style. The first thing that we would talk about when making over a unit or starting one from scratch would be a vision board. We have tons of stuff on vision board. Again, head to the show notes. When you think through a unit with folktales and specifically this one, right? Felice and the Wailing Woman, the folktale of La Llorona, what comes to mind for a vision board for you? I kept, and I talked about this with Diana in the interview. I was very focused on Felice, right? And mm -hmm. her character. I really think that the multiple ways that she is straddling so many different worlds and so many different parts of herself, that to me was one of those like indicators of not only are kids going to love it, but kids are going to get it, right? So she's in this kind of family dynamic that's unusual, right? She's being raised by her uncle. Her dad is, has, has left. Her mom is this, she, well, she doesn't know. Her mom is gone, right? At right. There, well, really she's been, she's had, a, yeah, yes. She knows that her mom is no longer with them. Yep. She's bicultural, right? So she's kind of living in those two worlds, mm -hmm. uh, bilingual. As the novel progresses, she's both in the real world and the magical realism fantasy world of mm -hmm. this folktale. And I think that something on the vision board for me would be about 
either bridges or connection or coming of age or something like those kinds of like, I would, I like to throw like terminology and thematic types of words and topics onto a vision board. So I think some of the visuals and the text that I would have on the vision board would be Mm -hmm. swirling around that. Do you remember, I want to say it was when I was in my 20s, mid 20s, there was a thing like in the scrapbooking realm called a smash book. I sure do. I feel like this unit is somehow put together with a smash book. That would okay, be for those so of you, cute. There's just something scrapbook journaly, And that's really what a smash book is. A smash book is essentially a blank journal where you've got it's you you collect things in your travels and in your days and you've got this double-sided pen and one end is a pen and the other side is glue and you smash things into your book and you write a little note about it. I I it that for this cuz how old is Felice? Isn't she 12 turning 13? 12. Yeah. Like I just see her going around with her little emoji, happy face emoji purse, right? That Diana talked about. Like <laughs> she had one, and that's what she kept on her desk when she was writing the the novel. I see her with a little mini notebook and yes. some sort of glue, and she's smashing things in there and making notes. And like part of this is her investigation as to finding out really what's happened to her mom, and part of it is just finding friends and places to belong and that coming of age. All that whole journey to me goes together in some sort of a scrapbook journal. And so my vision board is very much ripped paper and jotted notes and pictures. And she's a ske- and the character sketches. So like, I feel like it's all yes. in her sketchbook. I love that of filling in her sketchbook. Oh, I know. Well, and then, I mean, I, from what I, my limited knowledge of teaching middle grades is I feel like that kind of a manipulative would go well. My extensive knowledge of teaching in upper grades is that that kind of a manipulative would anchor us all to a text in a really nice way. It sounds very labor intensive for a teacher to create some sort of a smash book that kids do throughout an entire unit, but maybe it's not that maybe it's digital. Maybe it's a portfolio, you know, like, but we're calling it our, scrapbook journal, something, something, something. I just see that theme lasting nicely to be able to bring student connections, like self-connections into whatever they're working on. I love that. Thank you. And then I think on my vision board, if we were to continue this, I think now that I'm kind of going through like my border, I think I'd actually... I think I would have a line down the middle of my vision board. Mm-hmm. And I think I would, tr- I would start to kind of like divvy things up on either side. I think that I love the cover. I love the way that the cover is drawn yeah. and that you have La Llorona, right? Kind of like this ghost at the top. And then you have the kids at the bottom and how those stories converge in the middle is so cool because as much as it is a retelling of this folktale, it's really about Felice and the, the, the modern retelling of the folktale is in the background constantly in the background, but like actual folktale, you know, rears its head, maybe, maybe three times in, you know, in the story. In context building. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's exploring the folktale, but like, you don't like directly talk about La Llorona, Oh, it's probably like five times where it's like a hit you on the head. And, and I think that's what's really cool when we think about this now, like you kind of mentioned 
you know, the younger kids, I think when I, when I think about the older kids, I think about what a beautiful opportunity this is for asking big questions about craft Mm -hmm. because what she's doing is not so hard to digest that we've talked about this before on the podcast too. When you simplify the text, you can ask harder questions about how and why. Um, Yes. How the sausage is made. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Well, and the, I yeah. mean, probably, and if you're probably moving past the vision board now, so I, I want, I don't want to go too well, far. Well, but at the same time, talking through a vision board is you also are thinking through text. And I mean, we're, we're doing this a little bit backwards in the way that we normally would plan a unit. We would normally do, but sometimes you just have a book or you have a choice of books and you got to pick one, right? And that's, and that's the reality of being a teacher. I think going for something that is written for an audience younger, like quite a bit younger than your intended group. One of my selling points is that you can read this book so fast with big, big kids. Yes. You can read it so fast and so much faster than something that is intended for their age. And that idea of looking at author's craft and that idea of genre and like magical realism, yes. um, there is no, spoiler alert, there is no warning, here we go, we're going into the magic world now. They're just there and you accept it. Like it just- right. There's no questioning anybody's abilities by Felice. Like everything is just what it is. And so I think that that in and of itself as a dive into genre is a really good way to get students over that hump of like, wait, what's happening? Because it's so much easier for that. It's so much more accessible. Let's use Edubabble. This is an accessible text by virtually all 12th grade audiences because that's the lens that I'm looking at. So like, yeah. And you could do it fast and build skills quickly and then jump into something really challenging. You could treat it like an extended short story. I mean, Uh I I think that, and also PS, you don't have to use the entire piece. I love, I love that the way Diana wrote it, the way she titled her chapters. Yes. I mean, yes, it would help to have the context and yes, we want kids to read things cover to cover. We still want them to have that experience. But if this time around it's pulling excerpts, that's not a hard thing to do with the way that it's written. She's, they're very self-contained little pieces. They've got their own little arcs within each chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a really cool way of thinking about this unit too, is if your unit is not centered on this particular novel, you're not going to do the whole thing. And I think Maria and I are going to get into this more later. This could be a folk tales and fairy tales unit, right? With an EQ around that. It could be a monsters unit with an EQ centered around that. And then this can kind of just be, this could go from a center, the center to a supplementary yeah. very easily, but powerfully. And I, I like that, that. So I think about my vision board, you know, if we're really kind of centering Felice and the Wailing Woman, you know, I think that those are some of the things that I would have there for sure. I think the relationships piece of it is really important. Like her connections to, there's mm-hmm. a lot of characters in this book. There which are also surprised me because that's, that's hard to keep track of if you're an emerging reader, but go get it. Like, that's amazing. So I even kind of see like Felice in the center and then kind of like webs to all mm-hmm. her people and then kind of like how she's bridging right? The, the two towns or, you know, where she comes from, where she visits, where she was raised, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I like it. And and then I would also throw in um, like a map maybe with like a yeah. plan on Corpus Christi, Texas. And because it is very specific to place, this folktale yes. is very specific geographically to the border. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. 
Well, let's talk through a possible essential question. And Amanda already like nodded to what she and I had in our very quick side conversation before we started recording was the unit that I teach and that we have done a makeover of here when we were talking about short stories. I can't remember the episode number, but we'll link it in the show notes on fairy tales. Mm-hmm. The fairy tale unit, that essential question, the one where I talk about Cinderella, for those of you who have been here for a minute, that unit asks the question, why do we tell stories? Full stop. And so to expand that from fairy tales and into folk tales or into mythology, right? There are a lot of different places you could go. And then I can see, I can see almost, okay, well, let's, let's get into that in just a second here. But anyways, I think that the question, I'm like really getting ahead of myself. The question of why do we tell stories is, is broad enough and can be so specific because it ties into specifically this story really nicely. It is written around a folktale, right? A story handed down generation to generation. It also, so much of the plot is driven around the stories that these characters have told and been told. Yes. And so that is a really nice like connection of the story that you're learning about is the story that the character learned, but maybe it's not quite the whole story or not quite accurate. or And so it gives you a lot of different avenues for conversation of the why we tell stories, of the crafting of the stories and the how we tell stories, right? Once yeah. once you know why you're telling a story, then how you're going to tell it is can be kind of woven from there. Yeah, you're nodding a lot. What do you have? Woven. Okay, so if we've got the, there's the story. I'm trying to like kind of categorize. Yes. Like we did this with our with our Ruta um, Sapetti's debrief too. We had the different categories or lanes to go because we also talked about this in that debrief was right. the only thing we can do wrong is trying to do too much. 100%. So you, you are hearing Marie and I very, like this is actually how I start planning as I call up a, a, a friend and I say, I need to brain dump and just start talking. So you're, you're listening to a brain dump. So I, we're periodically going to try to, you know, categorize things for you, but this is definitely <laughs> not pre-planned. So, okay. So we've got that lane of story. I think yeah. there's another lane that's maybe, I don't have an EQ for it, but there's a, there's a folktale legends, myths, category like that's tighter so, than story oh i was like so stories no i I think that there could be something tighter than story <laughs> i feel you, like i i think you're right i don't know that they're different lanes i think that they're layers or like there's sure. umbrella with smaller i don't know if it's a cone i guess I, so i guess i should i should clarify more of my brain so i'm thinking there's more of a genre focus sure so it's so whereas story is kind of broad about like the philosophical side of story. Sure. I think there's also like we talked about with historical fiction. Um, there's a that there's that lane too. I think. So um, what if yeah, and, and then maybe it's looking at a course more holistically of like story and the stories yeah. that shape society or the stories that shape our lives or something like that. And then well, these are the stories that shape culture. These are yep. the stories that shape whatever. And that's where like folk tales mythology the stories that shape religion the stories that shape ourselves we memoir right yeah 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 yeah. we just spent a whole year for you you're welcome you're welcome you're welcome um watch watch me go and redo my whole 
right. American know, let's, let's, curriculum. I know. Let's. That would be amazing. Okay. Pump so the brakes on that for a minute. Okay. Put a pin in that. Okay. So coming of age, I think, is the other lane. Yes. Okay. A, a coming of age lane is really important, and I, this is a, this is something that came up in other interviews because we are interviewing amazing people who write really good stories. We talked about this with Furia, with Camila. She it's her coming mm-hmm. of age story. Um, I like, and I talked about an EQ. I think I talked about the one. When does childhood end and adulthood begin? I mm-hmm. talked about that with Furia. This one I also like too. To what extent does my childhood define my adulthood? Oh, that's nice. And I think for Felice, I think that th- that would be such a cool question to look at from her perspective because she refused to let the story she was told about her childhood define her adulthood. She was so proactive in finding answers mm-hmm. and like the clarity that she got through her own sheer force of will, I think is going to make her a more compassionate, thoughtful, uh, fulfilled adult. Um, so I think that'd be kind of a cool. Yeah. To go. Yeah. And I would even say, so I think that would be a nice younger question, but I think yes. to, I think to age that question a little bit, it could just be to what extent does my history determine my future? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. There's probably, I don't know if there's an EQ for it. I don't know if the, the novel holds it enough, but there's definitely, if this is being used as a supplemental, I really think there's an interesting conversation too around perception and kind of the conflict of the community, right? The town of Tres Leches mm-hmm. and how kind of, they're very manipulated in a lot of ways by kind of believing these loud talkers. There's a rhetorical angle here. There's There's definitely a rhetorical angle here. The political side of what's going on in the town and how they're kind of being, you know, swayed politically, but they've also been swayed to believe in this one story about La Llorona and not ask questions. I think there's, there's not a lot there in terms of like it being the central focus, but so I don't know that I would give any. Cue it could for still it, be a. But, but see, I think when I'm looking at story and the stories that shape society, right? Yeah. Boom! There you go. That's all rhetoric. That's all political rhetoric, specifically, and that's quite a bit in this book. In certain little pockets that you could like really close read and get into. So I know there's like a lot of different ways to go. So. I would say my last way I would say is if you wanted to use this with, with up upper high school kids, you could also use this as a great mentor text for a narrative unit. If you wanted to look at author's craft and like, you could, you can definitely narrow it by um, however you wanted to, but I think this would be a great masterclass in the prompt of, yeah. Remake a folktale, retell yeah. a fairy tale. Here's how, right. Diana Lopez did it with La Llorona. Let's, let's read it together as a giant, right. Mentor text for the project that you are about to embark on. That could be and like truly, a term long project, right? Oh, yeah. It'd be so cool. And to just kind of look at like, she talks so much in the interview about where Felice comes from. Okay. Well, so there's this question. If La Llorona had a daughter, mm-hmm. what would these characteristics be? Well, she's afraid of water. She's um, been not told the truth about her mom. And um, she talks a lot about the development of the character of La Llorona and developing her past this kind of single surface existence that she's been given and giving her dimension, giving her dynamic 
characteristics and compassion. She's not all monster. She has a backstory of her Mm -hmm. own. There are so many cool parts of the development of those characters that, man, this whole unit could just forget reading. Let's make this a writing unit. Well, so then let's talk through. So the assessment, right? Summative would be a retelling of a story, which has been done over and over and over again, but can still, which means that there's room to do it over and over and over again. So, okay, let's say that this is our central text and we are looking at a summative that is a retelling in I don't know how many words it's, you know, or how many pages or whatever it is. It's maybe a novella. Each kid is writing a novella and the unit is going to lead us through from the beginning to the end, we're going to start with questions and what ifs and move our way through a writing process where at the end we've got this novella. Sure. This central text. So then maybe the question is something about to what extent does the way a story is told shape something, something or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something like that, that gets you into a craft. Yes unit craft questions are typically really ugly and clunky so it would take us a little time to work through that yeah yes i don't know i think i think the question that ends with something something was really well done so i don't i'm offended that you didn't like it Um, but we can talk about that off the air writing that down in my ledger oops okay you just said ledger yeah, you're welcome. That's embarrassing. Okay. I, and I would also say with that unit, okay, so let's talk about assessment. Like, how, how do you uh-huh. lay that out? How do you lay it out? What do you I mean? Would, I, would, so I would begin. I do so it in English a- because my students are in an English class. <laughs> oh, my God. Seriously, Marie. <laughs> Marie did not have enough caffeine this morning, I don't think. I the know. caffeinated classroom she is not. Is under. Um, Caffeine. Okay, so with a the writing, if we did writing, I would, and I just I just got back from Ohio, and we talked about this in a PD that I was at. I think we need to start the unit with a blind write, like yes. you walk in the door, and I say, "We're all going to read this fairy tale." Then tomorrow, you're going to retell it in your own words, like really crappy, something very like. The kids are not overthinking. They're just writing it. You kind of push them over the ledge or you don't even read anything together. You just say, pick a fairy tale, you know, pick a Disney movie, you know, pick something, you know, and write, retell it with all new, whatever. And you give them some kind of BS prompt that they're overwhelmed by and they think is crazy. And you just say, just do it. Then the unit is right. An exercise in revision. And we're using Felice and the Wailing Woman as we're reading it. We're looking for, okay, what did she do? We're taking right. We're we're using the book as something to take notes mm-hmm. on as writers ourselves, and then we're pausing. So we read a little bit, we pause, we take a look at what some of the craft things were, and then we go back to our draft, and that draft gets improved little by little by little. Because I don't think you have to do it over the course of a term. I think you could do it in three weeks. So I like but it's yours. Not a novella. <laughs> That's okay. We are legitimately. Okay, spoiler alert. We're going to rewrite my American Lit curriculum. Okay. (laughs) I knew this was going to happen in one of these episodes. (laughs) This is it. (laughs) Okay, we're rewriting my American Lit curriculum because I want to take a marriage of what you're saying and what I'm saying. And I want to do the full book. So start off with come in, 
Here's some folk tales. Here's whatever it is. Maybe they're choice, like the fairy tale unit I was talking sure. about, and you can, you know, go through. Uh, maybe they're not. And tomorrow you're going to flash, right? Or you're just going to get on Flipgrid and you're going to tell me a story or whatever skill it is that I'm looking for, right? Something, something, something. And then we're going to read this book together or we're going to do a, but I don't know, we're going to watch Percy Jackson and then we're going to look at, I'm like, you know, different stories, blah, blah, blah. Then we're going to read this book together and we're going to read this book in about a two week unit, if even, because it is for middle grades and because I'm talking about 11th graders here, maybe even 12th graders. And then, and, and we're going to do a full blown novel experience with it. And I'm going to, you know, we're going to pull in the research about the story of La Llorona. We're going to pull in mm-hmm. research about the time and place. We're going to pull in research about Corpus Christi, Texas. Like we're going to get real into it and be investigative reporters. And that's going to be a thing that exists in and of itself. But then we're also going to keep coming back to this mentor text and the, throughout the whole entire course, because throughout the whole entire course, we are going to be going under the guise of what is America's story and who gets to tell it? What? Ring-a-ding-ding-ding. Ding. Hey, Full hey. circle. We are definitely dancing right yes. now. Yes. So here's the deal. If you're new to this podcast, what you have just listened to is the ramblings of a mad woman, but they were getting at a uh, an essential question that Amanda wrote forever ago. What is America's story and who gets to tell it? And we, do you remember the unit makeover? What episode was it that we went into America's stories. It was a long time ago. It was in the fall of 2021. Okay. We will link that episode once the two of us can find it in I, our own like, I think it's in the, the 30s or 40s. It is an early on yeah, podcast episode. One. Anyways, we dive into a bit of this question and like I have a whole mini unit that's going to get a bit revamp. Well, we were talking about sinners in the hands of an angry God. Yes. We talked about Obama's eulogy for John Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. We did a lot. But wouldn't that be a cool overarching and then you tell a story at the end of it? I love that on so many levels for your grade level because I think that that takes – and I've always struggled helping teachers think about narrative this way. I really do think if you're going to teach narrative, A, you have to give them a lot of time to learn author's craft because – I've talked about it before. I've seen narratives as summatives of units that didn't teach narrative. It doesn't work. And it's not yeah. fair for the kids, but I think seeing narrative as something that's not this, just I'm telling a story and I can do what I want, but seeing it as something that's intentional, there yeah. are deliberate decisions made. And that while fiction those decisions might not have the kind of consequences that maybe they do when you're trying to snake oil, right? Sell somebody on the rhetoric side, but that there's a connection. The deliberate decision-making is happening, whether you are writing a memoir about your life, you're rewriting a folktale, or you are trying to sell something, Uh all of those stories, or you're trying to retell how our country was founded all of those like the the diction the syntax all of that is just it's intentional and i think students want to dismiss that and they want to get away with right it's my story i can do what and yes it it is and you can but let's reflect on the intention well and talking to authors also makes me 
Big time. Uh, as a teacher, a little bit more, uh, I don't know, solid in my response of, yes, but to to whose characters are you giving truth? Or how is you doing whatever you want, giving truth and breathing life and doing justice by the story you're telling? Because that's what every single author we've talked to in Camp BNT, in this whole series, has been talking about, or the fictional authors anyways, have talked about how their lot basically and how their craft is in breathing life into characters and these characters deserve their truth to be told and like whoa right (laughs) from yeah so okay Um, well have fun playing your new unit i mean sorry everyone it happens look what we did Let's talk about a little, I mean, we've started to get into supplementals, but like there are, even in the small three-week unit, I've already sort of talked about like there's research to be done about different tellings of the story. There's, um, you know, incidences of of river drownings. Like, you know, you can get into like current event sort of supplements you can get into a lot of different things even though i i talked about it with um diana i don't know if it was in the episode i don't know if it was in happy hour or if it was in the episode because i can't keep my brain straight um but i loved thinking about i had finished her book right before i watched the movie chupa Mm, yes and chupa was so sweet so if you don't know what chupa is on Netflix, it's a it's a retelling of the the legend of the chupacabra, which is also something that happens. Well, it was legendary on the border, um, similar mm-hmm. to La Llorona. Um, and the Netflix movie, there are certainly clips you could show the whole thing. Um, but I love that it's a child's version, right? Retelling of that story. It takes away the monstrosity of the legend and kind of humanizes it. Uh, it does a, almost all of the same things that Diana does with her book. I think they would be awesome, even paired. Oh, that would be, be cool. really cool. Mm-hmm. Cause oh, then you have like, the a film, lot. a film version of what was done. Yeah. So maybe your kids could do a, a script or. Right. I, yeah. Or maybe it's just easier to stick to one format, but either way, it would still give them a good vision. It would be a good conversation point to think about it from two different standpoints. But I, I, yeah. I think Chupa would be awesome. And it was so cute. It was just a really cute movie. So I, I recommend I like it. That. It was adorable. I like that a lot. All I right, friends. It. Yeah. So we have definitely given you a lot to think about. I know we've bounced around quite a bit, but that is the nature of these episodes because like Amanda said before, unrehearsed off the cuff, here we are. Um, and we are excited to hear your thoughts on the things that we've been talking about. So please make sure that you head to bravenewteaching.com slash camp and join us in the Facebook group um, so that we can all share the wealth of our great genius ideas and help inspire each other. Uh, make sure that you head to the show notes for a lot of different things that we have talked about. <laughs> Be a little bit more coherently typed there um, in case, you know, you're a normal person that couldn't follow what we were saying. Yeah. <laughs> and please follow up with us in that Facebook group. Um, we're happy to continue a conversation, unpack it a little further. That's what, that's mostly what's happening in Camp BNT. So come on over and uh, let's do that there. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Come back next week for a whole nother author interview and then we'll debrief it and the cycle continues and we are having so much fun. So we will see you next time. Bye.
again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.